Hi, this is Nathan Zabulani, and together we will be studying Megillat Ruth, which consists of four chapters, approximately 21 pesukim per chapter. Our lesson today will focus on an outside introduction to the book, as well as the first five pesukim, which set the stage for the entire Megillah. Our first question is, why? Why is this book written? We wouldn't dare to ask this question if Rudbi Zidah and the Midrash didn't preempt us, as he states... This Megillah doesn't contain laws of impurity or purity, prohibitions or permits. So why was it written, he asks. He answers to teach us how good is the reward for those who do kindness. The focus of our Megillah is Hesed. It doesn't contrast Sadiq versus Rasha, hero versus villain, Mordechai versus Haman. It contrasts a regular, ordinary, average person to the extraordinary individual who goes above and beyond the call of duty and performs and demonstrates exceptional acts of chesed and selflessness and how God orchestrates events to provide for these people both on a personal level and a national level. Ibn Ezra in his first comment on the book takes a more practical approach. Ibn Ezra stresses that David HaMelech is such a fundamental and important character in Tanakh that we needed a book, Megillat Rut, to give us context, an origin story of David, to show how important he was and how pivotal his rise was to Am Yisrael's success. A similar approach views Megillat Rut as a bridge book, a bridge between the book of Shoftim and the book of Shemuel. The Book of Shoftim is characterized by chaos. There is social and political anarchy. Ish HaYashar Be'enav Yaseh is the main pasuk which describes that time period. The Book of Shemuel is a time period in which there is the beginning of monarchy, order, structure and unity amongst Am Yisrael. Rud is the transition between the anarchy of the Shoftim and the structure and the stability of the times of David HaMelech. It is therefore not surprising that the famous Gemara Bava Batra 14b is unanimous in agreeing that the author of Megillat Rut is in fact Shemuel Hanavi, the very prophet who anoints David HaMelech. The exact time period which our Megillah takes place is a little bit more complicated. Clearly it takes place during the times of the Shoftim, but during which judge isn't clear. Our book could have started off telling us which is the opinion of Rav Huna in the Midrash or which is the opinion of Rabbi Yushua ben Levi or based on Rav's opinion that Ivtsan is Boaz but it doesn't it's vague and it may be deliberately so to imply that this story of Rut characterizes the entire period of the Shoftim not one specific judge a different approach is that of the Malbim and he says that it didn't take place during any specific judge at all. Rather, the interim between the death of one judge and the rise of another one. Although the first pasuk doesn't give us specifics, the last pasuk of the Megillah actually does tell us the time frame based on genealogy. Uvoaz holid et Oved, the Oved holid et Ishai, the Ishai holid et David. Our story clearly takes place three generations before David HaMelech. Pasuk Aleph. Vahi bime shefot hashofetim. Vahi raav baares. Vayelech ish mi betlechem yehuda lagur biste moav. Hu veishto ushne vanav. It was in the days of the judging of the judges, and there was a famine in the land. And a man went from betlechem and yehuda to live in the fields of moav. 
he, his wife, and his two sons. Our book starts off with disaster, famine, and only continues to get worse with tragedy after tragedy. Each time something goes wrong, Hachamim try to pinpoint what exactly was the cause for the punishment or the bad that had occurred. The Gemara zeroes in on this term, Shefot. As opposed to just Which implies that the people were judging their judges. They didn't respect the authority of their leaders, which is one issue. And that the leaders didn't really deserve the respect of their constituents, which was the second issue. The Sforno brilliantly connects the famine to there being a lack of a king. If there was a king, if there was political stability, then that leader would have ensured some kind of a agreement between neighboring countries to ensure that people would have some kind of a form of food during this time of famine, like Yosef did in the, in the days of Egypt. But since there is no leadership, which is the main issue of our time period, the period of the Shoftim, this famine has particularly terrible results for Am Yisrael. This approach magnifies the necessity of a rulership such as David HaMelech. It's interesting to note the anonymity in our Pasuk. No names are mentioned at all until Pasuk Bet. V'shem ha'ish Elimelech, v'shem ishto Naomi, v'shem shnei banav, machlon v'chilion efratim, v'lechem Yehuda, v'yavou sedem oav, v'yiyusham, v'yamot Elimelech ish Naomi, v'tisha'er hi, v'shnei baneha. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Mahlon and Chilion, Ephratim from Belechem and Yehuda. They came to the fields of Moab and they stayed there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. In reaction to this famine, Elimelech's family picks up, leaves Israel, and goes to Moab. And then another tragedy occurs. Elimelech, the head of the household, dies. Once again, the text doesn't tell us why. And we want to know what happened. Why did this tragedy occur? The Gemara in Baba Batra 91a relates the opinion of Rabbi Shomron Bar Yochai. And he says that the reason why Elimelech dies is because he leaves Eretz Yisrael. This sits very well with his general philosophy. During Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's time, many Tanaim were leaving Eretz Yisrael because of the persecution of the Romans. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai took a very strong stance. No, do not abandon your country. But we know from previous examples in the Tanakh, like Avraham Avinu, Avraham leaves Eretz Yisrael because of a famine. And the Gemara actually warrants certain circumstances in which someone is allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael. For example, a famine. So let's shift our focus from a halachic issue to a social issue. Elimelech was a leader, and he was wealthy. And this was a time of a famine. The Midrash actually states that when Elimelech left Eretz Yisrael, the people were looking up to him and they were demoralized and they lost hope when they saw that this individual who was supposed to support them, who was supposed to pray for them, who was supposed to protect them, left, abandoned them. Yes, he may have had the right to leave Eretz Yisrael under these circumstances, but he didn't go above and beyond to protect his brothers. And therefore, it makes perfect sense that he goes to Moab of all places. Moab is an excellent destination if Elimelech is indeed motivated by stinginess. The culture of Moab is one in which you don't have to share. I keep what's mine and you keep what's yours. This is a perfect area for Elimelech to hoard all of his supplies and his wealth just for him and his family. Chapter 23 in Sefer Devarim testifies to this behavior of Moab. Moab 
Moab goes out of their way not to provide us with food, with water, and passage when we leave Mitzrayim. And therefore we're warned to stay away from them, from their culture. One could argue that Elimelech goes to Moab because he identifies with Moab. He's similar to them. Moab is a country which is close to Sedom and Amorah, both geographically and in their values. Two textual notes on these two Pesukim. First of all, the Megillah stresses, We know that Be'lechem is in Yehuda. Why does he need to stress that it's in Yehuda? Because we know from Sefer Yehoshua, Perek Yutet, Pasuk Tetvav, that there was in fact another Be'lechem, which was in the tribe of Zevulun. So we're focusing here that this is all occurring in the tribe of Yehuda. A second point is something to keep in mind throughout the Megillah. The text refers to different characters at different junctures in different ways. So for example, Naomi is sometimes referred to as mother-in-law, sometimes Elimelech's wife, sometimes she who returns from Moab. Ruth similarly is sometimes referred to as Ruth HaMoaviyah, sometimes as Naomi's daughter-in-law, sometimes just as Ruth. The way the character is addressed is in fact significant. And in Pasuk Gimel, Elimelech upon his death is referred to as Ish Naomi. Elimelech, the husband of Naomi. And Rashi takes this reference to point out that Naomi is kind of absolved from any responsibility from the fact that he left Eretz Yisrael and went to Moab. It was Elimelech's decision. He took his family and therefore in the beginning over here, he's the one that's punished. Rabbi Moshe al-Sheikh takes an interesting, positive view on this term Ish Naomi. He says that unlike Mahlon and Chilion who marry Moabite women, Elimelech the father does not marry Moabite women. He stays true and faithful to Naomi. And therefore, he is termed Ish Naomi, the husband of Naomi, not the husband of anyone else. The third disaster strikes in Pasuk Dalet. nashim Moaviot. Shem After the death of Elimelech, Mahlon and Chilion, his sons, marry Moabite women. From here, it's not exactly clear which brother marries which girl, but at the end of the book, we see very clearly that Ruth marries Mahlon and Chilion marries Orpah. The Tanakh generally uses the term Vaihu in referring to marriage, but over here it uses the term Vaisu. And Malbim points that out and he says that Vaisu is generally used for inappropriate or unsanctified marriage. And this takes us back to the book of Ezra. The time of Ezra, many Jews who lived in Babel, who even made Aliyah back to Eretz Yisrael, had married non-Jewish women. Ezra takes great, great efforts in order to separate and to absolve these marriages. Over there it uses the terms Vaisu. And over here when it says Vaisu lahem, it seems to be also for themselves, not for any positive purpose. In these four short Pesukim, the Megillah describes the dwelling of this family with three different terms. First, Lagur Biste Moav. Second, Vayyusham. And third in our Pasuk, Vayeshevu. Lagur generally refers to a temporary living, meaning they originally got up, left Eretz Yisrael for a temporary dwelling in Moab and assuming that the famine was going to subside, they would go back to Eretz Yisrael. As the famine dragged on, Vayyusham, they stayed there. And only after Mahlon and Chilion marry Moabite women, he uses the term Vayeshevu Sham. Vayeshevu implies a permanent or established living in Moab.
and they stay there for 10 years. The result is clear in Pasukeh. Both Machlon and Chilion die, and this woman, Naomi, is left bereft of her two children and her husband. At this point, Naomi is truly and absolutely alone. This is the only place in the entire Tanakh which calls two grown married men Yeladeha, almost to stress how lonely and how big of a disaster this was for Naomi who lost her two children. Once again we ask, why did this happen? And the Targum directly relates the marriage of these two Moabite women to Machlon and Kilion to their deaths. But this is a little bit difficult because later on in the Megillah, Boaz marries Ruth, this Moabite woman. And he's applauded for doing so. At the end of the day, we can very simply attribute these tragedies to the fact that this family goes to Moab and is steeped in the culture and the society of Moab. Naomi, who is now left alone, has to pick up the pieces of her life and leave Moab, go back to Eretz Israel, and see what awaits her in her original homeland.